Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. This is your extra show of the week, uh, where normally we would look to uh, review this weekend's game. However, there isn't any, but that doesn't matter because we've got tons and tons of uh, news following this afternoon's Europa League draw, where Rangers, having successfully beaten uh, Royal Antwerp, have now progressed into the last 16 and have been drawn against Slavia Prague. So we'll get into last night's game and also looking forward to uh, the next stages of Europe as uh, Rangers continue to get into that. And joining me uh, to discuss that is my very good friend, James Forrest, fresh off his BT appearances. James, how are you today, my friend? How is superstardom uh, changing your life now that you've um, been on TV back-to-back weeks? Doesn't feel much different from normal, really. I don't know what I don't know what all the fuss is about, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> but I mean, all, all I'll say is that's three times I've done media stuff in the build-up to European games, and we've won all three games. Now, I'm not saying that I am the cause of that, but we're yet to see a situation where I have been on the media and there's been no Rangers win in Europe. So, do we want to take that risk? I don't know. But, hey-ho, the run continues. If it's possible, if you could be on... the the, the, the I think the dream is for you to be on TV, for us yep. to win, and for us to yep. be able to defend. If we could get those three things going together, I think we'd be in a pretty decent space. And to be honest, if we had to sacrifice one of them, I would quite willingly sacrifice my TV appearances for a more suitable defensive European display, I'll be honest. <laughs> well, listen, let's jump straight into it because uh, Rangers had our 5.55 kickoff last night um, and that was following a 4-3 win uh, across in Belgium where uh, it just appeared to be um, a little bit crazy, James, in terms of the back and forth in the first leg and we kind of went into this one thinking, right, we've had our nonsense, we'll calm down, uh, this one will be a far more stern affair, we'll take care of business, uh, we'll make sure that we shore things up at the back and it'll be relatively straightforward. Uh, that was the thinking, at least. Yeah, because you don't you don't expect, especially the way that we've played this season, for us to not learn lessons of the previous game. And there was plenty of lessons to learn in a defensive sense that we needed to be more secure, more solid at the back, um, not give away such cheap goals, really, because... We know that we're a lot better than that that this season. So I, and along with the vast majority of fans, I think, were expecting a, a game that would see us have a lot of the ball, but on the occasions that they would break, we would have guys there well, that were more than ready to handle any attacks, either from the centre or indeed out wide. Rangers started the game, James, uh, with Liam Balligan retaining the right-back berth. Obviously, uh, he had to replace uh, Captain James Tavernier uh, when he received that that knock. I was going to call it a shunt, but that kind of knee jerk almost uh, going in for that tackle in the, in the first leg. And, and obviously, Balligan's been playing in there since. Um, and uh, midfield, Joe Aribo, uh, Stephen Davis and Glenn Kamara with a forward three, which... Uh, was certainly changed across in Belgium, but this was not what started, and I think that there was a purpose to that. However, the manager went with the front three of Ryan Kent, Alfredo Morelos, and Yanis Hadji. Um, 
I think James kind of got into I was confident that we would be able to, to start well and take the game to Antwerp. They do have good players, right? I'm not going to decry in terms of, of you know, it was, a, it was a walkover or whatever. We had to fight to be able to win um, across in, uh, across in uh, Belgium. But the return leg for me, I felt, well, we're back at Ibrox. It's been, as you rightly said in, in your BT intro, it's been an absolute fortress for us, especially domestically. Um, and Alfie sticking us ahead with what I think was a fantastic goal uh, thanks to Ryan Kent doing some hunting down on the right-hand side. Gets the, the, the ball squared across to Alfie. Um, a difficult finish, um, although he's hitting it into what is effectively an empty net, uh, but a very difficult finish because he had to take it first time. We know sometimes it's not his strong suit. Um, puts us ahead where we're not even into double figures on the clock by this point. And at that, that stage, James, I felt, right, OK, that, that's going to be our marker going forward for the rest of the 90 minutes. Let's just um, make sure that we, we get ourselves in a decent kind of position. Um, and probably pretty much the dream start, I would have said. I'm sure that everyone involved with Antwerp, and uh, as you know, on the site, I speak to European opposition fans and, you know, the guy speaking to Thomas from Antwerp was saying about how Antwerp really need to start the game strongly. Uh, and if they've got any chance in terms of this, they've got to get the first goal. So what that would have done in terms of from a psychological point of view to get that goal early on would have done absolute wonders for us. It's absolutely fantastic from Ryan Kent in terms of the pressure that he puts on that, that we know that he is someone that is very good at working hard uh, in terms of trying to retrieve the ball when we're out of possession. And this is another thing he's really, really good at as well, is is having that energy, particularly at the start of the game, to put them under that kind of pressure and to knock that ball back from Morelos. Uh, really excellent from him. And, you know, first time finishing a scenario like that, where it's, you know, it's coming at you at speed, so you've got to hit it absolutely right. Um, it's not a given in terms of that. It's a fantastic finish from Morelos. And he's very, very good at those kinds of goals because it's not the first time he's scored uh, from a finish like that. So, aye, brilliant, brilliant goal. Great way to start the game. And I remember texting my dad at that point thinking, OK, I can breathe a bit easier now because I can't see this going any more mental. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll just have to see what happens now Antwerp did come back into it with an equaliser just after uh, the 30 minute mark um, and I, I want to kind of just kind of focus primarily on, 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 on our goals and, and incidents within the game because um, Lean Balligan as we know um, he received a booking uh, just before half time which uh, unfortunately rules him out of, of the, next, the, next, uh, the next round I think Balligan was having a bit of a time of it. I, I, I'm not suggesting that he was primarily at fault uh, for the, the Antwerp equaliser because I also think Joe Aribo doesn't necessarily cover himself in glory in terms of being able to try and follow his runner. Uh, but Balligan has sold an absolute beauty out on the on the uh, our right-hand side. And uh, I, I just think he was kind of struggling a bit. I was very surprised, though, James, to, to see him being replaced by Nathan Patterson, of all people. And I'll come on to Patterson in just a minute, but I wanted to be able to try and focus on Balligan because my hope is that, and I think he took a little bit of a knock. I, I think he wasn't looking at 100% uh, when he was going off at halftime. Um, but my, my hope is that, you know, he just has to put this behind him because we need him to be able to fill in at that berth um, because we don't have a plethora of options while we're waiting for James Tavernier to be able to come back. He looks like, um, according to uh, the last presser, uh, to be about two weeks out. Um, two to three weeks out. Now, in Rangers terms, that could be a month and a half. But we, we need to be able to try and give Balogun the, the, the proper confidence to be able to try and fill in there. Ironically, Ryan Jack has is, is also taken a small a bleed, I believe, on his, in, on his quad, I think it was. It's not a tear, so we are hoping that that will allow him the recovery. But the default option would have been if, if Balogun couldn't have been in there and Patterson was either suspended or banned whether by the SFA or ourselves for the domestic games that probably Ryan Jack would have filled in there. So we do have problems in that area. I really want to get Leon Balligan back in as soon as possible, feeling as if, you know, as I say, he's, he's doing as well as he has been in there. Um, a tough one to be able to try and take. Well, I think where Balligan is concerned, he's someone that, you know, the initial fears about him going in at right back were very quickly... You know, put to rest in terms of the way that he performed in Belgium and also in the game um, against Dundee United where I thought he put in a really good shift 
at right back as well in those two games. So it was a bit of a surprise, really, that you know we found that he was maybe struggling a bit more. And a lot of that might have been down to the fact that he was maybe playing with a bit of a knock. And he seems like the kind of guy that wants is, is desperate to try and play on uh, for as long as he can. Uh, you know, and and try and get over any particular injury, but clearly it wasn't working from him from his point of view. And you know, especially in the domestic games at the moment, he's really our only option uh, at right back at the moment. So the whole, you know, I I think we did the right thing in terms of giving getting him off at half time because as much as Europe is really important for us. It's not as important for us as, as making sure that we get things secured and tied up in, in terms of the domestic front. So we need to have the best players available at that point. And I still think that Liam Balligan in that respect has shown enough to prove that he is a more than capable stand-in for that role whilst the captain is out. Um, I completely agree with you in terms of Joe Rebo. His lack of running in at that, at that goal was very, very frustrating for me. I think, you know, he he shows these bits where he's so good at playing in that midfield area, but for the way that we play, we need our midfielders, all three midfielders, to be working hard to get into that area and cover their man when a ball's coming into the box like that. And Aribo, on a few occasions, has shown that he's not someone that really does that. So as good as he can be in an attacking sense, that is something that he does need to work on defensively. And uh, Celtic fans writing letters of complaint, no doubt, to UEFA at half-time as Nathan Patterson uh, replaced Lane Balligan. Um, we know that Patterson was 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 picked within this game, uh, or sorry, picked within the squad for this game. Uh, James, a little bit of a kind of surprise for us. Uh, for anyone who's seen his video, uh, which appeared on, on the Rangers website uh, during the course of this week, he has obviously went through his, his isolation period, etc., etc. He's shown that um, he, he is very, very legitimately remorseful about everything that's happened and some of the decisions that he's made. He uh, he came on. I was I was very, very surprised to see that. I thought he was kind of there just to make up numbers, but no, indeed, uh, he came on and um, a masterstroke, as it turned out, by the manager because only a few minutes after the start of the second half, Nathan Patterson scores his, his first uh, ever first-team goal for Rangers by... A wonderful set of play, been set up lovely by Alfredo Morelos as Patterson bursts in and hits it low and hard and goes in by the keeper's right hand post. Um I was I was delighted for him. I've been angry at him, um, but I'm, I was absolutely delighted for him. And you saw the joy in his face, and it must have just felt like a very, very big weight has been lifted off of his shoulders to be able to to come on, to be able to perform and and I don't even think James, and even in his wildest dreams, he would have thought to play, much less come on and again score the goal that put us two one ahead. Really, really bold call from the manager. I think even having the squad in the first place, you know, so soon after that, but totally understand why. And to, you know, if if they're available, then we need to have them in there because we need to have the best squad available at that point. Uh, so I was like you, I was. Uh, you know, and, and still am to an extent very annoyed with you know the the players in question in terms of that issue, but that's something that's been covered before. Um, clearly, the manager wants to manage these guys in the right way, and you know his decision is to not you know throw them out altogether to give them another chance. And what these players, all these players, need to do is prove that they are worthy of that second chance, and it only took Nathan Patterson 16 seconds to prove that he's worth that second chance. Really, really clever movement from him to get up the pitch so quickly, so early on. Uh, Morales' ball through is absolutely fantastic and it's a really clever, cool finish. And that reaction, that burst of excitement and relief and joy all in that one moment just, I think, was him letting out that fear that he maybe had over his Rangers future so you know from a point of view it could be quite fickle to turn around and say all is forgiven Nathan but I think he's realised what he potentially could have lost and the fact that he's been given that opportunity to get that back and he's taken that chance really Um, excellent excellent goal and exactly what we needed because, listen, you know, we started the game really well, but we allowed Antwerp into it. And by the end, it was a bit, you know, like, ah, come on, we need to really get our foot back in the ball in the second half. And to start like that, 
it was absolutely perfect in regards to the tie. One of the one of the new initiatives, James, which was launched at the beginning of the week uh, by the club, uh, was a tool called Hot Mike, and we were lucky enough to be able to to have an opportunity to to use it last night. Um, and I've I've already heard feedback from various different people that one of the most excited uh, was one of the co-commentators, Jermaine Defoe, last night when he saw that goal get in, and. You know, we've seen Defoe. We've seen Defoe, particularly with Morelos. You know, uh, he was he was literally standing by the side of the goal uh, when Morelos had that 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 very fortunate uh, hit off him uh, the other week. But the first person he goes to is is Jermaine Defoe and stuff. And I think that when you you heard him last night on the watch party on Hot Mike and stuff, I thought it was brilliant to be able to see as to how invested he truly is with these guys. I love listening to Jermaine Defoe anyway. Um, but the legitimate excitement he gets with us as well, I thought it was really good and a great thing for the club to launch uh, just for a bit of kind of one-on-one interaction where you kind of see that uh, firsthand and stuff. It's like he's sitting in your living room, you know. Really, really clever idea, I think. And I think, you know, Defoe was one of the perfect guys for you to kind of start that with because you're right, the way that he talks about the game and, you know, his, his knowledge on... You know the team. Uh, you know the teammates as well. It was really, really good to good to see. Um, you know him and Clive kind of talking through things. It was it was nice, and it just adds adds to that um, in terms of that watching experience for a lot of people. Um, you know, and, and and seeing him being that excited for Nathan as well as the whole team as well, because you saw you know all the guys running over to Nathan at that point. I don't think there there's any sense of the teammates feeling that they're not interested in him anymore. They're really invested in this guy and, and I think that's a sign that we really should be too because there's a real excitement about what he could go on to become for us as 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 a right back. Um because the way that we play, our fullbacks are really important and you know as time goes on you need to be looking to that future and it seems to be that Nathan Patterson absolutely is that future as things stand. Well, as you said, the the opening minutes of the first, uh, sorry, the second half, I beg your pardon, um, probably couldn't have gone, uh, you know, much better than we would have liked. But then we got to 55 minutes and, and the goal, which I think for me, James, I've, I've now watched, I think just under 100,000 times, um, a beautiful ball, Played by uh, Kamara to Yanis Hadji, who does a wonderful turn, takes two guys in the midfield completely out of the game. He plays it through to Alfredo Morelos, does a wonderful wee stab Morelos, and then runs round his his uh, his man, squares it into Ryan Kent, and and Kent at this point is is properly you know uh, motoring to be able to get there, slams at home. Um, there's there's a part to this, and I and I've been a a big proponent of this in terms of how well we can play football when we're playing football. And it's very difficult to be able to do that domestically because teams will come to Ibrox. They'll play against Rangers, you know, at, at, you know, certainly uh, at their own grounds. But they'll always play pretty defensively. We know that we've just seen, we're just talking about actually, the, the, the Dundee United game where Mickey Mellon wants to get his players to be able to try and come out. And actually, our very own David Edgar gave credit to that because, you know, there are teams who are legitimate trying, trying to play football. Europe's different. Because we do get the space, we do get the time. But when you see goals like this, and, and probably a number of the goals actually that we scored against Royal Antwerp um, across both legs, this was a fantastic, fantastic goal and worthy of any team playing at the kind of higher levels of the competition. Uh, you know, it's one of those ones where you just, you just, you watch it and you're a bit kind of, a bit in awe. And then when you watch the whole thing back again, as you get the privilege to do in television, you just you can you, you just applaud the team. It was wonderful. A great finish by Ryan Kent, but almost everyone involved within that um, that setup had their own particular piece to play in it and some some real magic touches in there. Every team that is in this competition uh, from the last thirty two onwards is not there by luck. They have good quality in there, and you have to show your best quality to get through in these kind of games. Look at all four of those guys in terms of the work that they do. Kamara, who has come on so much in terms of his passing and particularly in European games, he's one of our key players in the middle of the park. We function so much better when he's involved in that. The bit of that, that bit of added quality that Yanis Hadji brings in terms of controlling the ball and playing the perfectly weighted pass for his, his forward guys to run onto in that position where he is the most deadly on the park, 
um, and then Morelos because not only does he have the speed, he's also got the strength to get past his guy like that. Uh, and that combination, along with being someone that can finish the way that we've seen in this very game that he can do, is so, so vital. And he's really improving lately, I think, Morelos as well, because it's a great cut back for Ryan Kent, who's smart enough to see that that's the opportunity, that's the way the ball, the move is going to go, and he's in the box ready to receive that and hit it first time into the net. This is, you know, I, I challenge you to find a better goal in any of the Europa League games that took place last night. Because as far as a team goal is concerned, that is the perfect summation of what we can do in Europe and the players that we have that are capable of that, which is why teams will be looking at Rangers and saying, I tell you what, if we can avoid them, I'd much rather that. 100%, 100%. And we'll come back to Morelos because he deserves uh, certainly a, a special mention for how he's played across uh, across both legs. But one particular incident, which I think had all of us uh, a little bit kind of open mouth at the time when we saw it. But um, Antwerp, to their credit, and I will give them a lot of credit for this, they, they tend to not know when they're beaten. Um, with the tie pretty much looked like it's out of sight. They did score another goal on this, put it back into into 3-2 at this point. Um, a really tricky ball, which kind of plays itself almost directly in front of Connor Goldson. It's one of those ones where it's difficult to, to assess how to be able to try and deal with it. He has the man on his on his shoulder. McGregor comes out. The two of them clatter each other. Um, a, a very straightforward finish uh, for, for Antwerp. Um, Jermaine Defoe, um, I'd, I'd, I'd received feedback to say that Jermaine Defoe had actually said when watching that back, it's an incredibly difficult ball to deal with. And as a striker, you're kind of hoping that there's a degree of confusion, which we duly obliged with. Um, I think the thing is, I mean, I don't want to get too critical of a team with such a magnificent defensive record throughout the course of the season to say that's what happens. That maybe sometimes we might be down to the odd lapse in concentration, someone not picking up a runner, as we've kind of already discussed, having to deal with difficult balls and, and who is going to be responsible for, for dealing with that, because I do think that there was a... a breakdown in communication there. Um, it's difficult, James, right, because sometimes you're kind of at that point now of scoring goals against us is, you know, so um, so rare that you kind of overanalyze what's kind of caused it and you get a wee bit disappointed. Um, but as you've rightly said, you're not going to play against poor teams at this level of the competition. Uh, and they are going to be able to create chances. They're going to take those chances. And, and I think that's what happened last night. What you've got is a combination of a bit of a brain fart from two of our most consistent defensive players in Goldson and McGregor, just not really, not not doing enough kind of communication on that particular occasion. They, they don't deserve any real level of criticism in terms of that because they've been so good this season that, uh, you know, given the result, we can, we can allow that in terms of that. And thankfully, Goldson was able to get back up and continue not being winded. Like, I'm sure you and I would have been absolutely out for the count had we collided with a goalkeeper in that manner. Uh, thankfully, Goldson is a lot fitter than certainly myself. Um, and also the ball over from Rafailov, who is de- was definitely the key guy for Antwerp over those two games. Um, you know, playing balls like that, he, he looks a real quality player for his age because he's in his mid-30s already. But, you know, he, he really has a combination of good finishing ability, but really good in terms of his distribution and Lamcalze had the easiest of tasks in terms of putting that in. You're right, it's just, you know, level of quality, teams will find different ways to try and try and break through defences. That's going to happen, but what we were showing through both games was the fact, well, we can punish you just as just as bad as well. So uh weird one, slightly frustrating, but thankfully not costly. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, and Alfie would have pretty much his, um, I mean, a, a kind of pretty much a perfect night as well as uh, another penalty given away uh, by Antwerp and Bonabaris. It steps up, James, to, to um, well, conclude a hat trick of penalties uh, that he's been able to score against Antwerp. Um, he obviously missed one. Uh, in the last game, but I think what's what's interesting with this is that we um, we're, we're kind of if you do miss a penalty, we're going to stick by you. We'll be able to try and do it. Um, a difficult one to be able to try and and, and convert because of the fact that he's, he obviously wants to be able to hit it with his left foot and be able to try and hit it with a great degree of pace, which he did in this one. So far more confident in terms of where yeah. that 
uh, Tess and I last week were discussing about maybe the first Borna penalty, although he scored it, was a bit close to the keeper. Uh, and again, like you say, he's, he's, he, he, you know, he missed one um, at the weekend. I think what's interesting, though, James, is that um, he hits it nice and low and hard. But in the post-match yesterday, he was talking about the next penalty, um, which was uh, 92 minutes, and we were we were well in the kind of depths of um, of, of injury time as, as Scott Wright is fouled, uh, and we get a second penalty. And Borna came out and said, you know, having already scored his one, he uh, he opted to voluntarily give the ball to Alfredo Morelos, his replacement, Cedric Hitton, um, which Cedric duly obliged by stepping up and hitting it nice and low, came off the keeper's feet, as it was kind of going in, but the power, as I say, was was too much for it to be able to, to be deflected and uh, and put by one of the posts. Um, interesting by Borna to make the decision to do that. He explained in the post-match that uh, the reason why he was doing it was because he knew that you know the tie was done, there was nothing on the line or whatever, zero pressure, um, but he also realises that strikers want to be able to try and score goals. Very, very selfless, I thought, in terms of doing that. Um, somewhat mature in terms of, you know, that kind of leadership, almost captain-esque material uh, that we would we would expect from uh, a couple of other players. But Borna stepping up to be able to try and hand that over to, to, to Cedric and I think, was a really nice touch. Quite a sensible thing to do. And it just shows, as we alluded to earlier on when we're talking about the Nathan Patterson celebration, there is a real, real strong team ethos going through that squad of players at the moment uh, and they absolutely will help each other out when it's when it's needed because every one of them is important to this whether it be James Tavernier Borna Barisic or whether it be Cedric Itton and Scott Wright uh, every player that's in the squad is is playing a part this season and you know, they feel like a team. You look at some teams elsewhere and they feel like just a group of individuals. They don't really have that that team chemistry, that you know, the the relationships there. But we absolutely do have that, whether it be in terms of the defenders or with the midfielders or a combination of everyone. You know, it's it's really, really good to see that. And that's that's what makes a successful team is when you've got guys that are gonna put in the effort to help each other. Um, I would like to give credit to both Morelos and Scott Wright for how they won their penalties um, because, again, it's the movement of Morelos to you know, jink into that space and the defender has nothing to do but to bring him down. That's all he can do and I'm rather surprised that he was not sent off given that he was on a yellow card already. Um, it's Scott Wright who continues to impress every time he comes on onto the park. Uh, again, Showing some really, really nice moves, a combination of you know speed and also tenacity, uh, and rightfully winning that penalty as well. Two well taken penalties. I think that one from Borna, you know, if he's going to hit it that side, then smack it like that, and a keeper's going to have a lot harder chance of saving it. So, yeah, and the same for Ritten as well in terms of that. This was definitely a night to remember in terms of uh, European performance. Uh, an incredible tie against a good team, um, but we proved that we are just that much better. And nine goals over two games, yeah, teams will take notice of that. A wee special mention, I think, for Scott Wright. Um, I, I like him. I, I, I'm very impressed by what I've seen of him so far. We know that he's um, he's been... You know, primarily used as a substitute, which is going to be difficult because when you're playing a team um, as you know, playing in a team as, as as good as 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 we have, very difficult to break through into the ranks to be able to try and cement a place. But I'll be honest, James, when he's kind of came on, he came on last night um, alongside Bengani Zungu, and um, with eight minutes to go on the clock, and I'm kind of thinking, well, yeah, that makes sense. Let's just run it out. We'll give the boys a bit of a kind of run out. And I actually think that that was primarily all it was for was with Zungu in particular because I genuinely thought that that was his Rangers days over but Scott Wright came on and is exactly as you said there I'm you know totally agreement he, he did really well to to win the uh, to win the penalty um, but he is absolutely here to contribute he's not here to make up the numbers um, I really really do genuinely like him I, I'm surprised and I don't know why maybe it's just me and again because all I really care about is Rangers whenever I'm watching football. Um, but I even know that the, when the guys, when we were talking about signing them, there wasn't that much, um, you know, insight from from anyone who'd happened to watch Aberdeen. Um, but I think we've absolutely uncovered a, a gem here. 
really, really impressed with them, and I'm very, very optimistic for this lad's future at Rangers. Yeah, because these guys are going to be looking at players and what they can offer to a team. They have to look at, you know, you have to imagine how are they going to play when they play in that setup. Now, not much to report in terms of you know him playing at Aberdeen, but his problem was he was playing at Aberdeen. Uh, and the manager that he was playing under at that point is a very, very different type of football, which uh, I think was limiting him, even though you were still able to see flashes of what it was he could do. And that's all you can really work off in a situation like that. But, you know, given the fact that it's such a, it's such a low fee that you're ultimately looking at in terms of bringing him in when we have, and what he is, I think, going to give us during his time at the club it's an excellent, excellent piece of business. Um, and, you know, he looks switched on as well. He seems he seems a bright guy uh, and knows what is expected of him as well in terms of that. So, yeah, he's, he's definitely one that I think in the coming seasons will come to be someone ve- that becomes very, very important for our cause in future seasons, definitely. Absolutely, absolutely. So, 5-2 um, on the night. Uh, nine five in, in in aggregate over the two ties. If uh, you made a Dolly Parton joke uh, anywhere, people hang your heads in shame. Uh, but yeah, as you mentioned, there are nine goals across that piece. Um, I want to talk about Alfredo Morelos in this, and I re- the reason why I want to do that, James, is because again, last week, loads and loads of praise. Previous weeks, um, I have levelled some criticism at him. Um, I know that. Like you say, we've we've probably seen some of the good and bad uh, in terms of where Alfie is. He, he, he's coming into a bit of a kind of a wee purple patch, which is fantastic. However, looking purely at the the, the last 180 minutes of the Europa League, of the nine goals, he's been directly and indirectly involved in eight of them. You could, at a stretch, and I will say that he was involved in the ninth one because he went off for the guy who eventually scored the goal. So by proxy, he's done it. Um, but on a serious note. Um, you know, I, I'm not suggesting for a single minute that, that, that Alfie hasn't been trying. I don't mean it like that. I think that there's other opportunities that he's taken to be able to try and get goals and be able to try and do that. Um, and that's what I was critical of him for. Uh, and I think others were too. Been able to see what he's done in the two legs across this uh, across this particular tie. Um, it, it's just been absolutely phenomenal. It's nothing short of phenomenal. Um, he's got some brilliant vision in terms of what he's been able to try and do. His passing has been on point. His finishing has been on point. Um, he's busted gut, right? He really has. He's got to have some some brilliant numbers in terms of the amount of distance that he's covered uh, against Antwerp across both games as well. The one thing that I thought was really, really interesting, and if you were like me, you were probably shouting at the telly, uh, <laughs> was when uh, I think it was like I could pulled up, uh, looked like potentially a hamstring. Uh, he did that thing that we've all seen before, where he's just you know, immediately grabs the back of his leg. Alfie probably heard them. Um, you know, if he was kind of, if he was shouting out in pain or whatever, uh, immediately stops the game. I won't make reference to the fact that it's comparable to Paulo De Canio because I wouldn't use that comparison on our network. However, um, you know, he gets a few skills. I think he gets a few um, a few pelters from from guys like Connor Goldson and stuff. Where Alfie just immediately turns around and he gives them that look, the look that we've seen on his daughter's face, that look of unhappiness. <laughs> Um, but listen, do you know what? I, I, the reason why I want to make a big thing of this is not only just how well he's played and how brilliant he's been across both legs, his, his contribution has been absolutely phenomenal. I think man in the match, deservedly so in both ties for me at least. But the fact that you've also seen this from him as well, because James, we've seen a hungry Alfie who's like, nah, I want to get more out of this. Stop mm-hmm. voluntarily stopping the game, get into it. He won't get the press cover, uh, coverage. He's certainly, certainly not in Scotland. Uh, I think Lukaku's own brother put on social media to say, you know, very, very well done and thank you for that and all that kind of stuff. You won't see a lot of that in terms of the Scottish mainstream media because, let's face it, they're incredibly xenophobic towards Alfredo Morelos. Um, But we talk a lot about acting like a ranger. Last night, Alfie was a ranger. Um, The reason why you won't get anything in Scotland is because it's a far more popular thing in terms of the Scottish media to talk about, oh, but he's a pure thug, but um, I put on another diaper, you idiot. Um, 
It's a, I, I, I wonder whether he does that when uh, Ibrox is full and bouncing. <laughs> it's the only thing I would wonder in terms of that, because he's not just got Connor Goldson going at him. You are probably running onto that pitch at that point, Cammy, to you know shout at him directly. Um, but I guess because of the way that the time is going as well, it's probably uh, you know probably more more reason to say actually this is an okay thing to do at this point. And Antwerp themselves are very. You know, we're very appreciative of his his bit of fair play over the course of the game, um, which which is good to see. And they, they they seem like they seem like a decent lot. The the, the old Royal Antwerp. Um, the performances over the two games are nothing sort of sensational to be that good and be that important in terms of that many goals over two games at that level. Um, this is peak Alfredo Morales. This is why he is going to go for a lot of money because he can put in these kind of displays and he thrives on this stage because he knows, and the manager alluded to this, he knows who you know, that more eyes will be on him at this point and he wants to show that this is what he's capable of doing. And he's, yeah, he's one of these players that's going to play better against that type of opposition than your teams that are going to play 5-5-0. Yeah, he's going to play better in, in those kind of ones where there's a bit more space to you know, provide that bit of extra quality. And he is the complete striker in so many ways. Because the other thing as well, his passing's bloody good as well. And you think about his, his speed, his strength, his shooting, his passing. You know, what else do you want from a guy um, in terms of his overall ability uh, for his age as well? Uh, you know, he's been named in the team of the week uh, in the Europa League. I, I would be astonished if there's anyone there who would deserve to be the outstanding player of the entire round uh, over Alfredo Morelos because you see how important it is to the team. And when he was out for the domestic games most recently, we were winning games, the majority of games, but we weren't playing well because Morelos wasn't there and he wasn't giving us that extra bit in the centre of the park because what he's done so well is that coming back to try and influence the play more. But now that he's back in there and he's making that contribution, we as a team are starting to play so much better. And we saw that against Dundee United at the weekend. So it's not just in Europe, it's the domestic games as well. That This is why we've actually we turned out being quite lucky in terms of keeping them for another season because he makes such an important contribution to, to our cause that it's almost at the level of priceless. And when he does go with a league championship winner's medal, he will go with our blessing. And with the money that he'll come back for us, you'll be nothing but fond things to say about him. Well, the, the draw for the final 16 was made uh, earlier on this afternoon. Um, and Rangers um, drew out um, Slavia Prague. James, you are our kind of European correspondent. Um, going into the draw, um, I'm keen to kind of get your thoughts on whether or not there was uh, any particular teams you wanted to avoid, any that you particularly wanted. Um, I was kind of flipping between, I'd love a big name, so whether or not it's Man United or Spurs or Arsenal or AC Milan or whomever. Uh, but then I was also kind of thinking, yeah, but a, a slightly smaller team may potentially give us uh, an opportunity of advancement. So I was kind of caught between the two. Was there any in particular that you were looking to get? Uh, for me, at this stage, the, the, the one word that was coming to mind was Mulder, 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 Mulder. Uh, for your combination of a team that I felt we could progress against and also not too far uh, to travel in terms of that, we hop over the water to Norway and back. Um because you know, at this stage, I still want our guys to be as fresh as possible. Uh, to be honest, though, the, the draw held no fear for me, and I don't think there would have been much fear for any Rangers fan. And I'm not saying that you know if we'd been drawn against AC Milan, we would have gone at that game and absolutely thumped them. But if it was to be a team of that level, then it would be a really interesting challenge because the fact of the matter is we've matched our result from last season in the Europa League in terms of getting to the last 16 
and getting drawn against Bayer Leverkusen, that was a real step up in quality from what we had up to that point. And we saw that over the two games in terms of the guys that they had in the field. Um, you know, some incredibly talented guys, and it was it was always going to be a, a, a task that was just going to be that wee bit too hard for us. What's interesting about this draw, Cammy, is I feel that this this falls somewhere in the middle between those two points of view. It's not a glamour tie, as much as it is, I think, quite a, a lovely historic tie between two teams who are kind of the, the big hitters in their domestic leagues that I think are of a similar level. So it's going to be a really interesting contest between those two. It's also winnable, really, I think, as well. Now, you, know, you saw how handy they were against Leicester uh, the other night, and they're very, very... You know, that's a great result to beat Leicester and, you know, had Leicester actually got that result, it would have been ourselves against Brendan Rodgers, or oh, wouldn't that have been rather fun? Um, but I, I just wonder whether Slavia, and I'll find this out over the next week or so, whether Slavia are the kind of team that when, in a European stage, when they feel like they're absolutely the underdog, they actually can manage that a bit better because they're, they look quite organised. Whereas with this... I don't know whether they're going to feel at that same level of being underdog. They probably should, given how well we are, we have performed in Europe. But are they going to feel that they can maybe come out a bit more and maybe try and play a bit more? And if they do, I think that plays into our hands. There's no absolute standout player. They are a good unit uh, with one or two guys that you think actually they're quite handy. But no one that makes me think it's not like having going up against that Kai Havertz. That we did against Bayer Leverkusen. That's that's not quite the same thing. So I think this is going to be a fascinating tie, and I really do not rule out the opportunity for us to make it into the quarterfinals based on it. We are confident, um, but we are going to have to earn it because, as you rightly say, um, Slavia drew nil nil with Leicester uh, across in the Czech Republic, and at the King Power last night uh, ran out two nil winners, and that was very much not in the the bookies thinking anyway, but they've got some big scalps already um, so far this uh, this season within the Europa, James. Uh, you know, they've beaten Nice. Um, they have been able to get, um, you know, results uh, pretty much, I would say, across the board in terms of what they've been able to do domestically, but they've beaten Nice, they've beaten Bayer Leverkusen. Um, they, uh, they didn't do well in terms of some of their, I'll say some of their away trips, uh, but they've been able to get decent trips at home. We are away uh, in the first leg, uh, which means that we are coming back to Ibrox. Uh, I, I've got to say then, if we are able to keep it into a, a, a draw or maybe something quite narrow if we are to, to to lose, then we've got a chance of being able to try and come back to Ibrox to be able to do that. So I'm quite pleased that we're away first. Mm. The, thing that I would, the thing that I would say, though, is um, no team will have wanted to play us in terms of where we're at. No one would have wanted to have seen Rangers come out the hat and thought, right, that's fantastic, that's a buy, because we're now an established European team. There's a lot of of um, interesting ties elsewhere uh, where I think that we're going to see uh, quite a lot of elimination of some of the bigger teams uh, in terms of uh, the ties that were drawn earlier on because the aforementioned Man United uh, drew AC Milan, Dino Zagreb against Spurs, Olympiac- Olympiacos against Arsenal, I, putting Arsenal out is not unfamiliar to Olympiacos, as we know. Um, so we're going to see some big names being able to go out. So my hope is, and this is you know the absolute dream is that if we can get to the stage where we are able to finish up our league domestic league business and we can transfer focus across to the Europa, um, been able to get into the last eight. I mean, we thought this when we were getting to Manchester. Who knows how far we can go in this? Um, and I would say that as a team cohesively, um, this is one of the one of the, the the stronger European teams I've ever seen in my Rangers lifetime. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's because there's no, you know, there, 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 we've got this level of expectation now, and it's not about, you know, this is less about being so well managed by someone like Walter Smith, who's got the right tactic for European games to get us through into the last stages and the Europa League competition. Um, this is a team that plays really good football with some really good players in there. So it's it's so good to watch. And I think there was a, there was a tweet that, I saw earlier today, which I thought, particularly for someone of your generation, Cammy, would be really interesting, is 
what we are now is what those teams that in the late nineties were knocking us out of the Champions League because they were playing really good football. That's the that's who we are now. We are that team that teams look at and say, "Well, why can't we be like that? Why can't we play like that?" Because we are playing some excellent stuff. We are playing, you know, on the deck, and we are fast in terms of our moves. And not only are we good out wide, but if it's playing through the middle, then we've got guys like Yanis Hadji that can that can pass the ball, thread that needle like he can. Um, as I say, I'm I'm not. You know, getting to the quarterfinals would not shock me. And really, at that point, whoever you're going to draw. You know, any of the eight teams really have a have a very decent shout uh, at that point. And as as you say as well, the draw opening up like it has done uh, could well play into our hands. So it's just it's really exciting, and it's probably quite a good thing for us to have that because quite soon it will probably feel like well we don't need to worry about the domestic stuff anymore because that's done, that's dealt with, that's finished. Happy days. We've still got stuff to look forward to. Uh, in terms of the Europa League, so here's hoping that we can go as far as possible because it would just add a very sweet cherry to the top of that uh, that has been this season. And um, it's interesting you make that point as well because I just thought for a little bit of kind of uh, fixture housekeeping, uh, James, I would just kind of uh, give a little bit of kind of insight into what that means for us as well. So uh, our next game, uh, as as everyone will know, is the uh, Wednesday game on the third of March against Livingston um, at Allenville. And then we've got next weekend's game at home against St Mirren. Uh, the eleventh of March is uh, the away leg across in Prague. The following Thursday, the eighteenth, is Slavia at home, and then uh, we then go to um, we then go to to Parkhead. Uh, with what potentially at that point could be a title winning um, uh, a title winning fixture uh, then we've got the Europa League quarters on the 8th and the 15th of, of April and then uh, we've got the 18th of April at the moment is going to be our first game of the split now there's obviously a massive Scottish Cup size hole in there and I think the club have come out and said you know there is very much a, a feeling around the fact that we can um uh, we can uh, fill those fixtures and be able to actually play the Scottish Cup. But my feeling is that the, as time starts to march on, you know, I wouldn't be surprised at an announcement to say that the Scottish Cup's going to get put back this year. Um, so the good thing in terms of that amount of, of gap, no one likes to go days and days and days without being able to try and see us play. But we will come back to the fact that we are carrying a lot of injuries. We are carrying the fact that, you know, we, we are missing... Uh, James Tavernier, who is probably in contention for player of the season, I think, quite comfortably. Um, this gives an opportunity for rest and recovery to be able to try and come back into it. But I think, as you say, James, we've got the opportunity to look at it and to dream. Yeah. Um, I think those those kind of gaps do no harm to us in terms of getting players back to a level of fitness, provided that we are able to kind of tick things over in terms of friendlies and, and ways to keep it sharp because what you don't want to do is you don't want to you don't want to have a period of, of time that you're not playing at all and you know you don't want to be flying off to Dubai and having beers and stuff like that although that's not the kind of thing that we would do anyway who would that'd be madness um so i think we've got i, I do think given the fact that there's there's going to be these kind of gaps and what feels like coming into a period where we can worry less about our, our kind of league games uh, because things will have been tied up in that respect, that we can really go for it in Europe. Why not go for it? Um, I think in past seasons, there's been this feeling of, yeah, I mean, Europe's great, but ugh, to be honest, the league is what matters. And that's right. You know, the league is the most important thing for us. Always will be. But if we're in a position where we can be grateful enough to say, well, the league is done in our favour and we don't need to worry about anything else anymore. Why not put everything into it in terms of trying to get as far as we can in Europe? Because we're already benefiting even more financially from getting to the last 16. If we get to the quarterfinals, that gives us an even bigger part of that particular pot. And you know, the more money, the better uh, from a financial point of view. And also the street cred. In terms of look at this team that have absolutely stormed it in the league and they're into this, you know, the last stages of European competition, 
you know, your real team, and it's Stephen Bloody Gerrard who's the manager of that team as well. Um, it's such a great story for people to look at and, and say, what a fantastic achievement. True, but I'll repeat the old heart and hand mantra, it's one game at a time. But listen, what a, a brilliant future we've got in the horizon. It uh, could be very, very much coming close to us in the next few weeks as well. So, listen, folks, that's all from James and I for this week. David will be back with you uh, on Monday. Um, and if you have enjoyed listening to us and you would like to do more of that, please uh, head on over to our Patreon site, which is patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. You'll get up to four or five shows uh, a, a day. Um, the vast majority content covered by Rangers, we are, we are looking at uh, games coming up uh, and previewing uh, our upcoming fixtures. We've got post-match reviews of games just played. Uh, we delve into the history archives with the time capsule um, and also looking through specific eras of uh, uh, certain managers as well. We're currently going through the Walter era at the moment. Uh, and as James has mentioned, and I'm privileged to have him on the show uh, today, uh, lots and lots of European coverage as well. So, James, tell me a little bit around what your plan is for the uh, reaching out to some of the Slavia Prague fans. Oh, we've already done that, Cammy. Don't you worry. Um, I'm I'm quite good at that sort of pre-plan, and I had my I had my short list of all the people that I would want to get in touch with, depending on who we we're going to draw. So that so that process has already begun. So we've definitely got. Um, the opportunity to speak to a fan of Slavia Prague and the build-up to these games. It's what we like to do uh, for our European games because I think a lot of people get a lot of benefit of hearing the views of our opposition uh, in that respect to see where their thoughts are, what they think of Rangers as a team and what, what you know, get a bit of insight into how they as our opponents will will play and some of the key guys to look out for. And it's always better to get views of that rather than views of your Scottish journalists who like to think that they know about football and have seen these guys, but really you're far better getting the opinions of a fan who sees them week in, week out than a hack like that. So yes, uh, definitely something to keep an eye out over the coming weeks in terms of a conversation with a Slavia Prague supporter. And who knows how many other supporters we might get on the show before the season ends. Hopefully a few more to come afterward. Yes, yes, as uh, as Graham Spears once said, you know, Stephen Gerrard is quietly terrified of the the job facing him in Europe. So, um, yeah, take of that what you will, folks. Uh, that's all from James and I uh, for this week. Have a brilliant weekend. Take care of yourselves and each other. Uh, we'll be back with you on Monday. And again, please feel free to jump over to our Patreon site if you'd like to be able to uh, hear a bit more from us. Thanks to the executive producers, Mr. Mike Lee and Mr. Paul Miles. My guest, Mr. James Forrest. Thank you, Cammy. Uh, and yeah, James, I think you're right. We will happily accept seeing you on BT Sports every uh, every Rangers game if it means that we uh, we got on through to the next round. We'll just have to see what you do for the final. Will we take over to Poland, do you think? Uh, oh yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that would be. I think it would be good to head over to Gdansk. Uh, you know, I think people are already starting to book uh, Airbnbs and, and hotels and all that now if they can. I'll I'll sleep in the street if need be, Cammy, for that. Um, that's great. Listen, thanks, folks. Um, and as I say, have a brilliant weekend. We'll be back with you on Monday. Thanks now. Podcast Network.